Amen. As you're being seated, I want to invite you to take out your Bibles. And what is it, church, that we see for 2016? What is God doing? What is He saying? What has He revealed to us? I hope to share, at least in part, what I see this morning. And I'd like for you also to hear from a few people within our congregation. Let's begin this morning with a little bit of history, a little bit of church history. Cross Point Community Church, formerly North Valley Baptist Church. This one church is a wonderful church of profound influence that has a remarkable heritage and history of being at the very center of the moral fiber and the character of the community where we are. Amen? That means that this church has been, since 1962, at the very center of community. In many parts, it's fair to say that Redding and Shasta County, Northern California, and even into parts of the world have been not just barely, not occasionally, but deeply impacted and influenced by the work that God has done in this church right here. God has used this church to do many things. We have a history to be proud of. We have a heritage to lean on and to rely on. God chose with his finger to put it right here in this corner, in this spot of the world, and to do a remarkable supernatural divine work. And over the years, there have been hundreds, there have been thousands of lives that have been saved, radically transformed as a result of the work that God has done in this church. Folks, this church has been at the very center of the community so that it had an impact on much, if not all, of what happened in the people's lives around us. It was, at one time, the lighthouse of the community. That There were so many people affected and transformed by the grace of God from this church that as they went out into the community and surrounding communities, God literally moved his hand across the community as a result of what he was doing here. They say, Reading is a great place to live. When I first moved here, they say, it's the best kept secret to come here and don't tell anybody because everybody might come. And I see what they're saying. Understand that in this community, we share the unique privilege of God having such a direct control in the establishment of the community. That's, That's why it's a good place to live, folks. And God has done great things. God has used this church over the years to direct and influence. People's lives have come and changed. And I can't imagine the halls of heaven, all the ones who were headed for darkness and hell and eternal separation from God, that now, by God's grace and as a result of him working right here through this church over the 54 years of history, how many people have come to know Christ and will experience eternal life? The the thousands And then all the lives that they've touched. Our unique heritage, the DNA of this church, also is innovative. We have, as a church, always done things on the cutting edge. I say, oh, this is a conservative church. There there are times when it was very traditional and conservative. Of course. In an effort to maintain purity and doctrine, we've been a conservative Baptist church. But even in the day in which the church was started... They were doing things that were unheard of. 
innovative because God's, God called our church to do new things. God called our church to expand our horizons, to take music groups on the road throughout, to build a gymnasium where youth and teenagers could come and experience the, the love and the grace of Christ and then reach their families, to build a softball field and to have a sports and activity center that draws the people of the community in to see who God is and then to reach out and touch them with the divine nature and the love of God in the hearts of his people. That's all very innovative and creative. God has used this church to reach people year after year after year after year. And I find myself as the leader of this church, much like one of the leaders in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, looking back and seeing what great things God has done. And I can tell you that I'm more excited than ever to know that God is going to do those great things, and listen to me carefully, and bigger and better and greater things in the future. Amen? With that, I want you to turn to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1, where we find this character, this leader. Now, the context of the setting as we reveal vision this morning, what vision is, what the vision for our church is, we look to the scriptures. And we see a case where Nehemiah has been called by God to, to lead with great vision, to reveal what he has seen. And the context here is very simple. The people of God who once had a profound impact and influence in the world by the divine working of God in their midst. Well, that sounds familiar. Who once were a people that directed and influenced the community and the world around them because God chose on that very spot called Jerusalem to do something very unique and very special. And who were innovative in the way that they radically oriented worship to one God. And Nehemiah is now among a people who have been in captivity for 70 years because of their taking their eyes off the Lord and relying on themselves. They found themselves taken away, carried away captive, and, and then I, by God's grace, he has allowed them to, to return in three separate waves of exiles back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah gets to be part of that third wave, and he himself is a servant unto the Syrian king, and he's not yet in Jerusalem when we find him. Verse 2 of chapter 1. Then Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah... And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was, was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now let's insert ourselves and see what we can learn. It's not to say that we are exactly in the same situation as Jerusalem. I don't see broken down walls and burning doorways around here. Do you? Now I see a beautiful worship center. I see facilities that are coming back alive. Sure, I walked through this week looking for Sunday school rooms with Mike. And there were some rooms we walked in. And I turned around and shut the door and locked it and said, we won't be coming in this room again until it gets some work. So there are some, some areas of our own church. Certainly we don't fill up the 1,400, 1,500 places that the church once did. And so we're, you can't make a direct comparison. We're not Israel, and we don't live in a, in a city of rubble and refuge. But we do exist 
with a remnant of people who have hung on to God's promises and God's claims, just like these people, who were crying out to God, once again, God, we long to be the people. We are eager. We see you and hear you so that we can be the people that we once were where you did profound things and had a deep, lasting impact on the world around us. We want to be that people again. And our hearts break until we see you do the great and mighty things that we've seen. We have had some hurtful experiences. We have had some hiccups and bumps in the path. We have had some history where it wasn't pretty, just like these people. And the vision begins towards renewal, restoration, and great things by Nehemiah noticing that the people were crying out. It says he heard these words and he sat down and he wept. They were a remnant of people who knew what could be, who knew what should be. And by their crying out and their weeping, they wanted God's favor. They wanted God's restoring work. They wanted God's greatness and goodness. And it so impacted this leader, Nehemiah, that he heard these words and he sat down and he wept. He was so drawn to their hearts to what what their remorse and their wanting to see what God can do and their anticipation and hope for God to return and restore that he himself wept. He ached because he identified with it. And then you move on, you see this thing develop. He goes to God and he begins to pray and cry out to God, Nehemiah does. Verse 5, and I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep the covenant and the mercy with your people and your love, you observe in your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly. Look at verse 8. He said, therefore, remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, remember God when you said this. And look what God said. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to this place, which I have chosen for a dwelling place in my name. Now listen, the vision is bubbling up. It's beginning to come out of what God is doing in Nehemiah's life. God has a plan to restore. God has a plan to do, once again, great things. And here's what I want you to see. The vision that Nehemiah gains, right here, comes from remembering what God had done. Hello, are you with me? The vision for the future that comes to Nehemiah is based on, comes from, is birthed from, the very work that God had started, the very work that God had begun, the promises that God made to his people. He said, God, remember what you said. Of course, if we miss you, we're going to go astray. And if we, if we sin against you, you're going, there are going to be consequences. And you said, but if we will return to you, if we come back as a, as a church to the place where we say, Lord, this is your church, your people, your city, your temple, then you've promised to come and to do great things. And that's where the vision takes off. That's where the fire ignites in his heart. And I think it's very important for us to do the same thing. We, church, have to look back before we can look forward. And to look back, we need to understand that God has begun a great work here. And it's not over. He's still working, 
but it started at some point, and we look back and see how did God work, and how does that carry us off into the future. And I want to ask Lee to come up and ask one of our members to come share. This is Lee Welch, and I understand Lee was 10 years old when he came to the church. That was more than a couple years ago, by the way. He's, Where is time gone? He's years old now. And uh, anyway, I want him to share with you where he saw God work, how God used his life, and what he sees. Well, that is where my heart is, uh, and Pastor didn't know what I was going to talk about. But just from the beginning, um, a member of this church uh, invited my mom, who was searching for an answer, um, and invited her to church here. And she said, uh, boys, load up, we're going to church. So me and my brothers loaded up, and we came to church when I was uh, 10 years old, 1969. Uh, we uh, had mentors in Sunday school, um, taught us God's word. Uh, Pat Pitt was involved in the um, summertime uh, Bible studies, and um, uh, I got saved there, accepted Christ as my Savior when I was 11. Uh, my brothers did the same, my mom right away. Uh, my dad held off until I graduated from high school. But, um, you know, that's where it all started for us. What kept us here is people uh, using their gifts, uh, answering the call of God to be involved in programs, uh, mentoring programs, discipleship. Uh, the, the gym was built shortly thereafter. And uh, for us involved in sports, you know, we were pretty excited about that. And... Uh, there's not only me that's still here, but uh, Kevin McKellar, James Merrick, guys that are involved in our Upward uh, Youth Basketball program now. Um, we were excited to play those sports, but not only that, we had coaches and mentors that uh, instructed us and uh, guided us and directed us. Uh, my dad wasn't a Christian going through those times. I needed that uh, male influence. And uh, so I praise God for... Um, him and the people that were involved and answered that call. Uh, approximately six years ago, I sat in uh, the service saying, uh, the school's gone, they're not using the gymnasium anymore. Uh, we got to get that open, you know, God speaking to me, open back up to the community like it was for me, for Kevin, for James. Um, and so presented that all in God's timing. It came together. Um, he laid upward sports in front of us. Uh, it's a great program, a great program of mentoring uh, families, introducing families of the community that wouldn't step in the church, but uh, a way to develop a relationship with them, uh, feeling comfortable in the gym. Uh, yesterday was our uh, fourth year. Um, four years ago, it started with 45 kids. Uh, now, yesterday, we had 275 kids involved. Uh, we had 1,500 people go through the gym yesterday. That wouldn't have been uh, happening if it wasn't for all the volunteers, over 100 volunteers that we had, uh, for all the hours and hours that Christy put in. It, it means a lot. The world is hurting out there. And are we going to answer the call? Are we going to share God's word and our personal testimony, what he's done in our lives. We need to move forward. And I thank Pastor for preaching God's word and getting us back there. Thank you.
I listen, and I learn, and I look back and say, what, what have you done here, God? And when we see things like this, where God touches youths and, and teenagers and families through, through the ministry here at our church, and then raises them up and burdens their heart to continue and do the same, folks, you cannot quantify that in human terms. That is how God works. That is evident of his past carrying through to the present so that we know we're standing on firm ground when we look to the future. What are we going to be doing next year? What are we going to, where are you going to lead us in the next several years, God? It all is based on the work that he began in the past. It's not separate. It's not distinct. It's a continuation. Just like Nehemiah said, Lord, you, you, remember what you said to us. If we return to you and keep your covenants, he says, that you'll gather us and bring us together with one place, and the end of verse 9 there, which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. As a dwelling place for the name of God. Folks, understand this. Write this down. Vision for God's people is based on God's plan. Vision for God's people. It comes. We need it. It's for us. But it comes from his plan. And his plan can be seen as we look back. And I don't know if you know this or not. Let's just, let's just take a moment. Time out. Let's just realize what God has done here. I don't know if you realize the amount of churches you can go to in this country and have someone share testimony from when the Lord spoke to them and saved them at 10 years old. Now a father and even a grandfather in the same church looking for the same God doing the same degree and nature of supernatural work those churches are few and far between. Hello? This is remarkable. This is unusual. We have God's stamp and hand on our identity as a church. We can see it clearly from our past, and we see it clearly in our present. I want to invite another person up. Linda, would you come up? This is Linda McKenzie. And as I listen to Linda, and uh, she shares what she sees and experiences in the church, I can't help but praise God and get excited. So I wanted you to hear it as well. Yeah. Good morning. Over six years ago, I came to Cross Point for the first time. The worship music, the word was preached, and my heart was blessed. That first Sunday... I knew this was home. I knew this is where God wanted us to be. And people welcomed us. Oh, it's so good to see you. Your first time, yeah, welcome. Came back the second Sunday. These same, again, awesome worship songs, great preaching from the word. And people welcomed us again. Said how glad they were to have us here and, you know, welcome. It's probably a year later that we became members, but there was a concern for us. We were brand new, and yet people loved us, and were so opening. Oh, it was just amazing. Anyway, for new members that have come within this past year, or if you're a visitor today, I pray that you feel that same welcome and the same loving spirit that's here because it belongs to God. God is the one who gives it to us. I have several favorite verses and favorite chapters in the Bible. I might as well say from Genesis to Revelations. That's my favorite. But the, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 
verse 13 says, so now faith, hope, love abide, these three, and the greatest is love. That's God's love, unconditional. He loves us just because he loves us. We don't have to do anything to merit that. He just loves us. And we've been in a lot of churches. We've been in a lot of military chapels. But I've never experienced the amount of love like this church has. Um, I'm just blessed to be at this church. Very blessed. And when I think what's ahead of us, I'm not going to go there yet. God's people meet together for Sunday school, meet together in worship. The word is preached really well. Um, We encourage each other. We pray for each other. We love each other. Um, It's a huggy church, (laughs) and I love hugs. Anyway, it just, Cross Point's awesome. Starting next week, our church will start the Experiencing God study. There was a small group that went through it with Pastor Bud. It's an amazing study. I am so excited. God's already working. I mean, look around. You know he's working here. He's been working here for years. But going through that study, it really changed my heart. It gave me a deeper love for him that daily I want to read his word. I want to pray for my church family, for my own family. Um, and just have a more intimate relationship with him. And that's what Cross Point to me is all about. God needs to be personal. You need to have your ears open, your eyes open, most of all, your heart open. His, there's amazing things in his word and how much he loves each of us. So, I want us to be a lighthouse like North Valley Baptist was back then. But now we're cross-point. And I want us to reach this community for God. Love the sinners. Well, I'm a sinner. (laughs) We're all sinners saved by grace. But love people right into this church. God bless you. Listen for God's favor among us. Those areas, those times, the lives where God rests his favor and blesses and says, yes, a heart for me, my word, obedience, dependence on me, I will bless this. We see that in our midst. It happened in Nehemiah's life as well. He takes what he has seen, his burden, what's stirring in the life of the people, and then I want you to skip forward to chapter 1, verse 11. Skip forward a little bit. He begins in this, in this prayer. I want, I want you to watch the transformation that happens right there as he's praying to have some confidence. Watch this. Verse 11. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Now watch this. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, he begins in his prayer. His, his prayer begins, oh, God, you got to help us, help us to get back. You promised, it was your work. And then he begins to say, God, as the Lord sparks in his own heart, as the Lord reveals in his own understanding, listen, I'm the God that's going to continue to do that. Then he says this, this sense of confidence, and the Lord leads him now to say, give me favor when I go to the king. 
you and I don't understand the, the audacity and the boldness, the huge step of faith that was. But he's saying, basically, I'm going to go to the king and ask for help so that I can go back. He'll let me, release me to go back to Jerusalem so that I can lead them to do this restoration. It's, it's beginning to get personal for him. Skip down to chapter 2 and verse 7. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, now he's speaking to this king. If it pleases the king, let letters be given for me, to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, and they must permit me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And it says, and the king granted them to me. And the king granted... You got, I don't know, just reading the story, it's like, oh, yeah, cool. He, he said, hey, God, you know, help this king not kill me instead of saying what I'm about to say, but, but instead give me favor. And we think, oh, that's kind of cool. And then he went, and he did. And he gave him this letter. Here, here's safe passage. Here's for you to get you some supplies on the way. And we think, isn't that nice? Isn't that sweet? You've got to understand the profound implications of what's happening. He's standing facing the king who's in charge of their captivity, taking them away from Jerusalem, not wanting them to be a threat. And what he's saying to this king who holds him captive is, oh, by the way, would you go ahead and let me go back so that I can build walls to my city so that we won't be taken captive again? So that we can stand and be God's people again and be the people on the face of the earth? Like, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't expect any favorable response to that. God begins to show his favor. The vision comes alive with God's favor. The vision comes alive through God's favor. It's through the work of God in the people. And you see this happening. Guys, listen, I don't know. I don't know of any other church. There may be out there. I don't know of any other church that went through a pastor search process like we did last year. Not having a senior pastor and instead of losing attendance, gaining attendance. That's remarkable. That does not happen. Senior pastor leaves, the attendance falls. It's just human nature. But, but over the last year, our attendance maintained and even increased a little bit. Easter Sunday with no senior pastor. Of course, the giftingness of the staff, but also the hearts of the people. Close to 500 people in attendance. That, hey, listen, that's looking like the God who started a work back here so many years ago. That's looking like God's favor to me. Hey, that's before I even got here. You guys stole my thunder. I can't take any credit for that. And since I've been here, I've observed, observed God continuing to work. We've had increasing attendance. We finished the year off with $75,000 in the black. Praise God. Praise God. We've baptized 13 people in the last six months. Praise God. Close to 60 people have joined the church since July. Praise God. Next Sunday, Linda mentioned we're starting a new Sunday school class. Experiencing God is the title of the study, but here's what I want you to know. We've been promoting it for two weeks. As of yesterday, we had 75 people who do not attend Sunday school signed up to attend Sunday school starting next Sunday. Praise God. 70, 75 people. It'll probably grow today. God is working in lives. There have been marriages that, have coming clo that are coming close together today. 
there have been people who have left the church, not our church, the Lord's church, who have walked away and tried to escape and get away from God, neglecting the things of spiritual life, who in the last three months have come back to this church in repentance and said, oh God, what am I doing? I come back to you. Praise God. God has clearly placed his favor on this church. That's not me. That's not necessarily you. That's what God is doing. And when we look to vision, just like Nehemiah, we start with, God, what is your plan? What is your favor? Where's the direction that you have brought us from and are going to? And I'm just simply here to share it with you in some cohesive form to lead you. Chapter 2, verse 17, this, this, this favor increases. He, he goes to Jerusalem. The king lets him go. You're going to have to read this if you don't know the story. It's amazing. If you do, refresh yourself. Verses 11 through 16, he goes out and he walks through the city and he, nobody knows. He doesn't tell anybody he's going. He gets up in the middle of the night. And he goes out and he walks along the rubble where the walls once stood. And he looks around and he, he kind of remembers what was it like here before when God was shining in these people. What, what was it like? What, what needs to be done? Well, how, would, how would we, now watch this, how should we get back to the place where God is doing that here once again? What must happen in order for that. And he could have gotten discouraged. If you Sometimes you walk around in some of our old classrooms that are basically storage rooms now. And I'm just telling you, it was a funny experience this week. That's why it's on my mind. Like, oh my goodness. I think it was the last time somebody was in there was Lee when he was 10 years old. And you could tell it was Lee because the place is ruined. Basketball on the wall, all that stuff. And, and some, some of our places are like that. We, we've got some corners and uh, lots of leaks, by the way in the roof. So I find them all because I'm bald and they splat and they make noise and everybody, it's, it's really annoying. But I find them and they're everywhere. We've got some leaks. We've got some things falling apart. It can get discouraging. You can look at all that has to be done to get back to that place and you could have, but he didn't. He didn't. He continued to walk right through it. And, and here's what I have. I have a promise. Matthew chapter 16. I can look around and see Lots of things that God would have to do in order for us to be, once again, listen to me carefully, that central hub of the community that draws people in by the droves and sends them out transformed. That's what I'm talking about. God's hand. What's it going to take to do that? I could look around just as easily and go, oh my goodness, it would have to be this and that and our budget and the roof and that and all the other things and you know. I have this promise. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus himself said, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, he said, I will build my church. And Jesus said, listen, by the way, when I build my church, not Pastor Bud's church, but my church, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We, listen, if we will allow the Lord to build the church, the gates of Hades there's nothing worse than that. So anything up to that will not prevail, will not be able to stop the hand of God, will not be able. Listen, you can't stop the Lord Jesus from building his church with any human means or supernatural. 
He promised. He said, I'll build my church. That means that we will, we can, we should, we must be a mobilized group of people that he is using as a force of good, as a force of love that the rest of the world has to reckon with. There's no stopping our advancement. There's no stopping the explosion of this property. More buildings. I'm not talking about fixing the ones we have. I'm talking about building new ones. I'm talking about new property. I'm talking about satellite churches. I'm talking about missionaries throughout the world. Listen, what can stop the hand of God when he builds his church? Nothing. Nothing. Now let me read to you. I wrote this in the cover of my Bible. As I articulate a vision that I see, our vision is to become a body of Christ that has a profound generational impact on the world for the glory of God. Involving every member in service, together, we will become a life-giving community hub where families are strengthened and transformed lives transform the world. A hub the center of the wheel, all the spokes of life coming from this work that God is doing in this community so that we are not just a lighthouse who's barely making it, but we are blinding the rest of Shasta County with the brightness of the glory of God. I'm talking about transform lives Everybody involved serving together, that when our lives are transformed because we interact with and when we serve and when we build with God his church, that we are so distinctly changed in nature that when we go out into our workplaces and out into the community, that there is no other result possible than transformation. It's the transformation of your life that God uses to transform the community. That's how it works. It's part of the vision. A hub. I want to be the, I want our church. Everything that God is doing here to be the center of the world for the gospel. Now there'll be others, I know. It looks like the center to me because that's right where I am. And I don't think, I don't think you really get the essence of what I'm saying unless I dream a little with you. I started the day I got here, the first week I came in the middle of July. I was staying in some church members' houses because I was so excited to get here. I left Julie behind, and she was still in San Diego packing. And, and I got here, and I started a list that first day as I prayed and observed about the things that I see God wanting to do in our church. Now, this is sort of a dream list, and it's going to sit, it sits on the refrigerator in my house. But I wanted to share with you, I've edited it, added to it, And here's where it stands today, looking at 2016. I look forward to rebuilding the foundation of our church to where it's strong, stable, and true, rolling away any and all reproach from hurt in the back, from hurt in the past. So that there is only associated with the name Cross Point Community Church, North Valley Baptist Church, only thing that's associated is that's the place where God works. A sure and solid foundation with the gospel, witnessing, people sharing their faith, bringing people to church, transform lives. 
I'm looking forward to an evangelism training center where they don't just come from all over our church. They might come from all over to learn how to share your faith personally in everyday life with Christ. I'm looking forward to upward expansion. I have no idea how that's going to happen because I was in the gym yesterday and I don't think you could have fit another snotty-nosed kid in there if you wanted to. But there they were, 32 teams of them and all their parents and grandparents and everybody else right here for us to love on and share with. I see an expansion to that, to where one day we'll look back and say, I don't know how that happened, but it's absolutely amazing how many youths, how many young people and kids that we're impacting and touching with the gospel of Jesus Christ through sports, just like he started doing so many years ago. Look forward to a dynamic discipleship and small group ministry where people come and meet and build community and learn how to be families and learn how to build strong marriages I'm not talking about marriages that are barely hanging by a thread. I'm talking about marriages that are reproducing others in their lives by mentoring to have strong marriages and discipling others and raising up once again strong children who who walk by faith, who will go and storm the halls of hell with a water pistol because they just believe God. Those kind of children. Not the ones who were hoping, God, please let them at least go to church once this year. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about a generation of young people. They're out there getting tattoos and piercings and riding their skateboards today. They could be in ministering to the Mian congregation or in Africa or somewhere else tomorrow sharing the love of God. I see that happening here. I see young families coming from all over because we have such incredible resources. I see a young adult married family resource center right out in that courtyard where after church every day and throughout the week, young families gather and let their kids play and there's a coffee stand or something out there that, that, that gives them a reason to gather around and share and, and build community and witness to one another and bring friends to, where the children classes aren't something that we hope are, are by bubble gum and band-aids holding together, but it's a, it's a children resource center like nobody has ever seen before. Where kids get up in the morning and say, Mom! Please, can we go to that church today? It's so awesome. I love it there from all over. I see reaching the youth of our community through that gymnasium and that ball field. There's no denying it, okay? You just can't deny it. That's where God started here. And it's still here. And guess what? Guess what? Kids still play sports. That's the context we live in. Jesus reached people in their context. He met them in their life, where they were, and then he shared his love with them. That's exactly what we do right here. And we already have it sitting right here. I mean, a youth activity center where after school, junior high and and high school kids, like they once did, can't wait to get out of school because they're going to rush over here and play some basketball with some of our folks and then go down and have ice cream in the ice cream shop and talk about what God did in your life today and what kinds of things you're struggling with to know that God has promises to address all the needs in your heart. And if you will trust him, he will bless you. I'm talking about a partnership with Shasta Bible College that increases their attendance and ours. Where young men and women who are seeking to educate themselves for a life of service and ministry can come and be loved on and find context to do that in direct partnership with the school in a church right across the street. Or they could serve as interns and learn and grow and be adopted by families and, and we can follow them much like many of you older folks have done till the day they die 
following their ministry and praying for them and being part of their lives. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that school across the street and the potential impact for the world that we have partnering with them is absolutely incredible. It's beyond what you could even imagine. Talking about sending people all over the world, married couples and singles alike. We saw, last Sunday we saw right here, we were blessed by the Lord to witness a proposal of marriage by two of those students. And how many, as, as that unfolded before your eyes, how many were here and you just wanted, you couldn't because you're too embarrassed, but you just wanted to get up from your seat and run over there and just slobber all over them, love and hugs and kisses. How many wanted to do that? Come on. Am I the only one? Right? What makes it so sweet and so precious is they've come to know each other through the Lord and we know that they've committed their entire lives to serving the Lord together. And you look at them and you go, what's the future? What's the potential, the impact that God can have for them? And how can we be part of that? Times 500 and more. Ah, I see a preschool. I see a preschool that teaches kids that God created them. They're fearfully and wonderfully made right here in these classrooms. A preschool for the public. I see a Christian school, possibly. We have educators galore at our disposal here in this church. The testimony of how many... There's some folks right here. You went to school here. You grew up here. And you've come back recently. And you said, those were some of the best years of my life where I learned to trust God and love God. Some of you right here. Listen, that's what God did here in the past. There's no reason God can't do that again tomorrow and in the future. Build up a Christian school because, listen, right now, right now, the younger generations are being slaughtered. Christian families, seven and a half out of ten high school seniors from Christian homes, seven and a half out of ten go to college and walk away from their faith. We've got to start younger than high school, folks. We've got to start the preschool and elementary, and we have to educate and disciple them to be strong, to have character, and to learn God's word. I see a dynamic, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in our youth ministry. God's blessed us with that with an intern that we have, and John and Sarah are doing a phenomenal job giving their entire lives, just like you would want an intern to do, and so much more. To touching the lives of not just our own teenagers, but but getting through those youths to touch other youths. Not long ago, one of our teenagers invited a couple of skateboarding kids out in the parking lot. Instead of telling them, hey, you can't skateboard here, go away. Instead of telling them that, one of our, one of our teenagers said, hey, come here, let me tell you about Jesus. Want to come to youth group? They got saved right off the street. I mean, if it's that evident, if it's that easy, shouldn't it be happening all the time? It's not really that hard right? Those are the kinds of things that God does. Those are the kind of things that I see him calling us, building exciting single young adult ministry, preparing for marriage, a multimedia ministry where we can take the the messages and the teachings that we do here and we can mass produce them just like Pastor Ton's doing for the Mian congregations, for people all throughout the world. And I want to tell you this, I see God restoring and building this facility to be state-of-the-art, dynamic, innovative, 
unusual and effective as a hub where everybody in this community can come and touch the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in some way. Using it all from top to bottom, every room, all kinds of activity. When you come up here these days, you're already starting to see it. There's people going everywhere. Sometimes I have to, I have to watch both ways before crossing the parking lot here these days. Listen, that's a good thing, but that's the beginning. We're scratching the surface. Those are just things that if, if we will follow God and trust him, if we will launch off by faith, God will continue to use us to impact the community. And there's really no limitation to what that can look like. Those are some of the things that I see. Now, you say, all right, pastor, go for it. We're behind you all the way. Love to see it. Get me some popcorn. I want to see this, honey. How's he going to do all that? Come on, be honest. Some of you are thinking that already. That brings us back to Nehemiah's vision. As this vision transformed in his heart from something that could be to something that must be, he then went to the people. The call to action. And if you pick up with me in verse 16, to say that he had walked through the whole rubble of torn down walls. And then I said to them in verse 17, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. Now watch this. Are you looking there in your Bible? Are you there in Nehemiah chapter 2? Are you looking there in verse 18? And you just read with me? That he told them, the people, that were going to inhabit the city. He told them, God has been good. He sent me to the king, and God has shown his favor. There is evidence, listen to me, there is evidence that God is doing this. That's what I'm saying to you today, just like he did. But then, but then, the last little line is really important. So they said. He shared with them, what God was about to do. And so they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. The people responded to the vision because they recognized the hand of God, but they also committed to be the ones who would carry it out. You see that? When they heard the vision, it was so compelling, it was so God-centered that it caused them to say, okay, let's do it. Let's take, pick up our hands. Let's let go of the other things that we have hold of right now, and let's take hold of this, and let's do it. It began with the leader, but it, it spread, and it was carried by the people. You need to know this, church. The only way God's going to restore, renew, rebuild, bring us to a church where he, we are that central and that impactful in the community is for you to pick up your hands and begin to do the work. You've got to see it. You've got to hear it. You've got to respond. Each and every person. And you go through and you read in chapter 3 and it talks about every single family. Wherever they were. Picking up tools. 
pitching in, doing what they could, serving in their part where they were called. I'm, I'm just a leader, but I'm telling you this right now. I'm 23 years of ministry, four churches I've pastored, been a missionary, seen hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of people saved throughout ministry. I have never in my life, listen to me carefully, I have never in my ministry life been so clear about what God is calling me to do as right now. I have never known such clarity. And I'm just telling you that because you need to decide where you stand. I'm telling you where I stand. I am determined. I am resolved. I am unrelenting in pressing through to see God do a powerful work here in this church. I'm not backing down. I can't do it alone, but I will not stop pressing forward. It's a call to action. It's me saying to the church, church, this is what God's doing. We must go. Let's go. And if you want me just to shut up and step out of the way, you better find another church. Because I ain't doing it. I know what God has called me to do. But you have to decide what he's calling you to do. Call to action. I'm telling you, like, this is the time. Now is the time like never before. God has blessed some of our senior citizens. Listen, let me just ask you, if you're in this congregation today and you've been part of this church for 30 years or over, would you stand up? Just go ahead, be proud, stand up. Those that have been here 30 years and more, now stay standing. Wow. How about 20 years and more? You've been here 20 years longer, go ahead and stand up too. Now, now, now stay standing. Look around, folks. Look around. These people have not given up. They have not stopped. They have, go ahead, they have not paused. They have not left. They have prayed and prayed, and many of them built with their own hands and continue to hold things together with their own hands. Listen, I'm saying those folks are already committed, they're already all in. How about the rest of us? Do we have that kind of belief and commitment that that's what God wants to do here in this church? I'm saying those folks lead us today with their testimony of faithfulness and diligence and commitment and hard work to the vision and the task. Listen, they got this vision 30 years ago and they have not let go. How can we? It's going to take all kinds. It's going to take People that have been here 30 years and longer, it's going to take those of you that, that got called away and brought back, and it's going to take those of you that just came in the last six months since I did. All of us together, picking up tools and working together to build the Lord's church. He has given uh, me vision for the new year. I'm calling it Renew and Rebuild. Renew and Rebuild 2016. See my blocks up here? Well, we're renewing commitment and community. Renewing our commitment, like I just said. We're going to have to do some rebuilding. Rebuild the foundation. Well, let me show you what the foundation is. The foundation is the gospel, evangelism, and discipleship. This year, I'm calling the church to one full year of going back to the basics. Listen, let's learn how to share our faith. Until we are all regularly a personal witness to the lost people we know, then we have some work to do. And we still need to work on the basics, the foundation, evangelism. That's how the church was born. Discipleship. We're all committing to grow in God's word together. 
growing more and more like Jesus Christ, taking steps of obedience and faith. We're rebuilding the foundation. Number two, we're going to rebuild the structure of the church. The structure refers to the, to the format, how we organize ourselves, how decisions are made. Got a picture that shows you what structure looks like too. How the gears turn together, how stuff gets done. Right now we have some issues. We're going to address them. We're going to face them. Talk about that this evening, rebuilding structure. Thirdly, we're going to rebuild bridges. That's, that's the initial first step of our vision, rebuild Foundation, gospel, discipleship. Rebuild structure. We're going to shore up how we do things and how we administrate and organize ourselves. And number three, we're going to rebuild bridges. Bridges are those things that take the people from where they are in the community and bring them here and things that take us from where we are to where they are in the community. Back and forth. It's high time for the church in America, and I say we lead the charge, to stop building walls and build more bridges with the community around us so that we can actually share Jesus' love with them. How about that? That's what using the gym is. That's what having community facilities and programs and different places where people can interact with us on our facilities. That's building bridges. And I want to close taking you back to Nehemiah. You read there in chapter 2. Why don't you go back to verse 17 for a minute, if you would. The plan. We've got, you're going to have to advance a couple of slides. I got ahead of myself. I got excited. Talked about the vision, how it developed, what it looks like. By the way, again, I want to point this out. The vision only started with the leader. It was God's vision for God's people. Because there was a call to action next. And the call to action is everybody pick up a tool, everybody get involved, everybody serve. I'll do my part, how about you? Thirdly, the plan. How does it look? How do we do it? Well, if you were to study chapter 3, let me just share with you a few observations. This is what you would find. Number one, there's a pattern. The pattern is this. God always reveals the way. Isn't that great? Like, hey God, we want to we follow you. Okay, come on over here. Here's something you have no idea how you're going to do it. You've never done it before. The only way you can do it is if I move supernaturally and powerfully. And then you look and say, okay, how do I do that? Guess what? God also comes along and says, I'll lead you. I'll show you. You follow me. So there's, there's a pattern. He, he shows us the plan. Every single person was involved, but there was a strategy. And, and Nehemiah walked through the walls and he observed and he looked and he prayed and he saw what needed to be done. And he organized the people. There was some organization that has to happen. And I've done the same. For seven months, I have walked through this church, through your lives, through our meetings, through the rooms, the activities, and I've prayed, and I've fasted. And I'm telling you, I have a plan to get this done. I'll share more about that later on tonight with you, but it also takes the people. We talked about that. You, listen, I'm just going to say it right now. If you plan on having no part in the vision for God's work in this church, if you, have, if you plan on having a small part, if you plan on just kind of riding the coattails of somebody else and maybe just experiencing all the good stuff, listen, you're going to miss it. And I'm going to tell you this, and God won't bless it. It took all the people. All in. 
Guys, there's no time like now. The Lord is returning soon. And when he returns, he expects to find his bride without spot or blemish, perfectly prepared, faithful. I'm saying we have some work to do. And your part in that is critical. If, if, if you're in the last days of life, pour your last breath into everything that God is doing here. All your, the last bit of finances that we have, the last bit of resources that we have, you can trust and know full well and good that whatever you invest and put in your life into this church, it's going to carry off into a fruitful vision in the future. I promise you I will do everything I can to make sure that happens. But it takes everybody's involvement. It's about the people. Finally, the places. The places. Hey, um, read chapter 3 when you go home. It's full of all these names that you won't be able to pronounce. That's okay. Just call them all Joe. And no offense, Joe. Just call them all Joe. It's easy. And listen, watch what happens. It gets a little confusing. And so basically he says, you family take the area right in front of your house. And you take the area right in front of your house. And you take the area right where you are. And you take that area. And before you know it, everywhere he went, each, watch this, each family unit was responsible for investing into the building of the wall. I love this. This is just how God works. Every family unit, it takes a family commitment. It ta- you can't, listen, if one spouse is kind of half in and hanging out in church, and the other spouse wants to go somewhere else or do something else, that's not a full-in family commitment. Your investment here is going to be troubled, and you're going to be unfulfilled. Listen, decide, is this the vision that God's calling for me? And if it is, give it all up and jump all in, because this is the the Lord's work. And what's at stake here? What's at stake is a hub that's central to this community that takes the impact and the power of God and spreads it through the world. That's more than just words. That's what's at stake here. All of those future Lees and families and grandkids and Lonnie and Linda's and Bud and Julie's in the future. That's what's at stake. I'm here to share with you, church. I believe with all my heart. There's no reservation. You can't stop me. I know what God has called me to do. That's the vision that I have. There'll be hiccups and bumps along the way. It'll be scary. There'll be times where we can't imagine how on earth we're going to do it. Not too unlike Nehemiah. He said, but wait a minute. There's opposition. But wait a minute. There's trouble. He says, so I answered them and I said to them, the same thing I'm going to say to you. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right in the memorial of Jerusalem. Your your focus is on the future of this church, even if you come from the past. It's about a heritage that we will continue to build. And he said, hey, listen, when God's in it, God's for it. And what God's for, nothing can stand against. That's what God wants to do here in our church. That's the vision that I have for you. And I'm asking for each one to consider your part. Let's pray.
We're praying every uh, head bowed and eye closed. If you would pray, please. Father, we are your church, Cross Point Community Church, and we come to you. Surrendering ourselves to your vision and your plan. And Lord, we pray, I pray you just show us right now, each person that's here, our own part. Some of us, Lord, help us in our unbelief. And we cry out to you. Some of us turn to you and we don't know where to start and we just ask you, show me where to start, where to step, where to pick up, where to build. And some of us here are so excited, Lord, we see you so clearly that we can't wait to do more and see you work. Whatever your heart I'm praying right now that you have a time alone, a moment alone with God. What's he saying to you? If you've never personally trusted it as Christ as your Savior, I don't know, I've been around church, but I've never really made it real with Jesus. I want to invite you to do that right now. Would you, would you pray to receive Jesus as Savior, be forgiven of your sins? Now may be the time for you. If so, pray with me. Father, I turn from my sin and I place my trust in you, Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for my sin. And I accept salvation by faith and forgiveness. something unusual as you're praying I'm going to ask you if the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning I'm going to ask you to come forward and just spend a moment at the altar it doesn't matter how many people come if God has spoken to your heart I'm inviting you to come stand sit or kneel right here right now and say yes Lord whatever it is do we have a church of people willing to stand up and say I will build I will be a part, Lord. I hear you and I see you. I don't know exactly what I can do, but I'm picking up a tool and I want to serve you. If God's speaking to your heart, Lord, I don't, I don't know. That's hard for me. I'm struggling. Help me to see what you're doing. You come. Those of you that are so excited, God is working all around you and your prayer time is, God, thank you so much. You've blessed us. Listen, come forward. And just say, I praise you and I thank you. I want to continue to be part of this great work. What I want our church to be once again a place where profound impact for the gospels being made all around you. All over. But I want our church to be again like Jerusalem, the place where you work. The place where you reveal yourself to mankind. Right here in us. I'm right.
we are a feeble people, prone to wander and stray and weak. But we know how strong you are. And we're staking our claim as a church this morning in faith and obedience to your word to witness unto this world to be salt and light. And we're trusting you to do great and mighty things in our midst. Thank you for sharing with us your plan that we get to be a part. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can look this way. Let me call your attention to this response card. Um, Pastor Matt had you take one out. Make sure everybody had one this morning. Uh, would you go ahead and write on that response card? Just, just take a moment if you would. We're about to take up our offering. Guys that are going to help with the offering, if you would come forward at this time. And what we're going to collect in our offering is just as an act of worship, what you would give to God this morning. What are you giving to God? You write on the back of your card your response. Lord, you may not know. Just yes, Lord. I want to follow. I want to obey. I believe you. Here's my part. I confess my sin. Whatever it is, God showed you something. Right now, if you would, take, take a pen, write your response. This is going to be part of your offering to God. We're going to put it in the offering plate. Here's from my heart to you, God. Here's what I say. Here's my commitment. Put other requests and information on that card as well. And then our tithes and offerings are as an act of worship as well. And I pray you just uh, tithe this morning in such a way that's, that's honoring to God. That shows you how much you love Him and how much you trust Him. And, and we'll let him be responsible for the rest. Pastor Joe, would you lead us in prayer as we worship through offering? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Our hearts are filled and overflowing. Thank you for being such an awesome God. Thank you for not leaving us, deserting us. Sometimes we have failed you many times but you have not failed us. Sometimes we think you're not there, but you are. Thank you for bringing us to this time, to this